You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I do personally think that's grossly unfair. Yeah, agree. The Fantasy Football Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the People's Poll Podcast. My name's James, and I think it is a People's Poll Podcast debut for Clayton Fernandez. I mean, it's not, but thank you. Is it, is it not? Have you done one before? <laughs> I've done one before, but I can't remember what it was. But I've definitely done one before. Wasn't good enough to remember <laughs> yeah. then. Let's just stick with this as a debut. Uh, as ever, we give free topics to the Twitter community for choice of topics. Those free topics for today's podcast was a Premier League team of the season, naming only one player per club, which I think would have been a, an interesting debate because we probably still wouldn't have had a Manchester United player. That didn't win the vote. Uh, also, something that I think we'll definitely come back to the table on at some point is the kind of rising anger amongst football supporter fan groups about the movement of matches for television coverage, particularly ones at stupid kickoff times like seven o'clock on a Saturday, which is unnecessary for Newcastle fans at Fulham when they have they could have the five thirty kickoff, for example. And I think it's going to come to a head because I think television companies would like more Saturday slash Sunday night evening games, but supporters groups don't want it. But at the end of the day, they pay the money, so they'll get the ultimate say unless enough fans groups continue to kick off about it. I think it will come to a head quite badly in the next couple of years, actually. But the winner on the vote was the idea, and we put this in yesterday, knowing that there could be information that unraveled on Everton and Nottingham Forest, which we'll cover off. It has to be part of this conversation. Was the idea of if uh, FFP um, is there to protect the greedy six. And I think the first thing to clarify here is uh, FFP is not what Everton and Forest have been done for here, right, Clates? Correct, yep. So, whatever and the forest have been done for is uh, PSR, which is the Profit Sustainability Report that's implemented by the Premier League. Uh, FFP is essentially uh, a UEFA mechanism, but many of the clubs have to work towards FFP if they want to play within European competition. I think we should first um, go over Everton 
and Forest. Yeah. Um, you've got a timeline of what's going to happen next. So what we do know currently, and we don't know Everton and Forest financial results for the 22-23 season, which is part of the three-year cycle of which they've been done over for. So what the PSR allows for is a maximum of 105 million loss over a three-year period. In Nottingham Forest's case, those covered on our Money in Football podcast on Patreon last week, that's 61 million because of the two years spent in the championship. So we know that they've agreed that they both clubs have agreed that they have broken yep. the limit. We don't know by how much, and obviously they both believe that there are mitigating circumstances as to why. We'll cover some of those off. What's going to happen, Clates, in terms of a timeline here? Yeah, so to timestamp, obviously today is January the 16th. So yesterday, January the 15th, all charges were confirmed and clubs have two weeks to respond. Uh, April the 5th is when all hearings must be completed. April the 12th is when a decision must be provided and clubs then have seven days to appeal that. The Premier League season ends May the 19th and bizarrely, which I can't wrap my head around, May the 24th, all appeals must be concluded. So, so in essence, what you're telling us is that Everton, for example, could still be with a 10-point deduction... Uh, because they might get, say, four points off and get a new four points, as an example. And we might not know at the end of the season whether they're safe or not, yeah. if they finish in the bottom three, yeah. basically. And that's what I can't wrap my head around. And so as it stands, on this timescale, if Everton or Nottingham Forest were to have points deductions and finish in the bottom three, we don't know if they're relegated or not. Basically. Yeah. I have... Uh, <laughs> I mean, beyond a huge problem with that, from a sporting integrity perspective... The, certainly the patrons will know and I think many of you will know already anyway I have a huge problem with uh, uh, points deduction penalties being imposed during a football season well that's the reason they've gone down this route is because that's what they want to do right they they said they've gone for this in air quotes fast tracked approach because they don't want it to be a case where people are retrospectively docked points so they've kind of consciously gone down this route which I, I get the logic I think the implementation has been bonkers though um, what I would much prefer, in summary, because I think we could go round in circles on this forever, I would much prefer that in the case that Everton had their 10 points, and I at least in this case understand that it was very early in the season. Was it October? Yeah. Quite early in the season. But what, So when, when let's say Forest get done. When will Forest find out their punishment? Just clarity. Uh, April 5th is hearings must be completed, and April 12th decision must be provided. So mid-April? Yeah. But all appeals must be concluded five days after the season ends. It's staggering. Yeah. It's staggering to think that just suddenly, and there's nothing to say this is going to happen, but it's staggering to think that we just go into April when there's about, I don't know, seven games left or something, and we go, oh, yeah, there's 10 yeah. points for Forest. It's so late in the season. It's ridiculous. Right. I would much rather that we stop doing this and we said, right, do you know what? If someone's broken this, and there's not, it's not to say there shouldn't be punishment, that we go, right, this is going on you for August for the start of next season. Yeah, I think with that... This is an absolute nonsense that we could have a scenario here where the football season could finish and we don't know who's relegated. Yeah, yeah. That I is agree. a nonsense. But playing devil's advocate, I, I, really, I agree with you, but I don't think there will ever be a scenario where everyone agrees that's the right way to implement No, no, no. I, I, and, and I certainly accept that. Um, but I think everybody then starts a new football season knowing exactly where they stand. 
that would be the best thing to do. You're saying the timeline now is what? April to May, basically. Yep. Six weeks or so from the actual punishment to the appeals got to be done and out of the way. Right, so don't tell me we can't go June the 1st. These are your punishments and you've got till July yeah. the 15th to plan and accordingly. And your appeal is done. Yeah. And then everybody knows where they're at in terms of the new season. Yeah, yeah, would I agree. Be, would be much better from a sporting integrity perspective. And I know people will say... Oh, yeah, well, then that's not fair on, like, Luton's or Burnley's. We can backdate this all the way and go, it's not fair on Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, yeah. Larship, this whatever, what I mean. right? If you put it in the rules and say it's going gonna, it's gonna to be applicable from the next football season, done. Yep. Um, so next football season from whenever the, appear, the, the, um, the panel decision will be. So Everton and Forest are going to go uh, to this independent panel, which yep. we know have already found Everton 10 points guilty. Yep. When's Everton's appeal? Is that part of that timeline? It is, yeah. So when, when do Everton find out their appeal result? Uh, April the 12th. So No, it's before that, isn't it, I think? Uh, April the 5th is when all hearings must be completed. But No, no, no. Everton's already had one, right? Oh, sorry. That's what I'm saying. One. Yeah, Everton, oh, that, Ever- I think it's February. Yeah. Everton will find out their appeal, I think it's next month, in terms of whether they're, they're obviously not going to get all of it off, but it might get reduced to six points penalty, for example. Um, and then that's what I said they might end up getting like another four points or something in April yeah. or something who knows so that's what will happen next is Everton will find out about their appeal um, it does feel and I have to admit to this grossly unfair that it's on this season only that one team can be done over twice and yeah. that's going to be Everton and I think that's the thing in, in terms of like the accounting period the 10 point deduction they've got and now what they're being penalised for is in the same period so it just feels a bit it feels like incompetence from the Premier League in terms of, or like a loophole in their laws. Or it just yeah. it doesn't feel right. What what they what they the the Manchester City thing and the, you know let's cover that off now. Yeah. Why haven't Man City been done yet? Well, the first thing to say is is 115 charges, whereas Everton effectively is one. Yep. That doesn't mean Manchester City are in for a 1,500-point penalty or whatever the equivalent is. It doesn't necessarily mean that at all. But that's the charges up against them. It also backdates massively. It goes back as far as 2009, I think, up to 2018. And it's what's happened with City and the fact you're going to get no quick quick resolution to it has meant that they've wanted to push this through so that this shit isn't getting backdated for years and years on end. I get that. But I still don't think you you ended up punish, punishing one club for the same thing twice, and with Everton, they've obviously been in breach by nineteen point five million. Everton didn't think they were right. They think there was mitigating circumstances, primarily due to, I think, loans taken out against the stadium. The stadium which infrastructure doesn't come under the cost of these losses. Yep. So you could spend a billion pound on a football stadium that won't go into your your profit sustainability report losses because you can spend on infrastructure, youth, uh, women's football. Yep. There's a couple of other things, charity work, stuff like that as well. There's a couple of other things, I think. But Everton have been done on the interest on the loans taken out to part finance for the stadiums. Sure. Um, which Everton tries to use a mitigating circumstance. The, the panel said, no, your interest is too big on that. They're done. 19.5 million. But because Everton have failed the first one, that's meant that they failed the second one. Yep. So Everton's mitigating for the second losses are going to basically be the same as the first. Yeah. And that's what I can't... Like, why is that not just bolted in together as the same... Well, you think about it, right? So Everton's accounts now include the 22-23 season, so the next three-year period. And they've obviously budgeted... 
based on the first time they've been done over to say, yeah, we think these losses are fine. Yeah. We shouldn't have that as part of our PSR. And yet, because the panel de- decided, yeah, actually, no, it is, it obviously is going to be the second time. So Everton failed twice. Yeah. For once, the same thing. So what are we going to do? Give Everton another 10-point yeah, deduction? That's not, it's not right. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not. I, I think all of us can agree with that. And I think most of us would agree in any case. I'm not saying Everton should get off scot-free. I'm not saying that at all. And, and similar with Forrest, which we'll talk about. Um, but I do think the harshness of the punishment, when there was nothing written at the time in law to say, this is your punishment if you fail by X. Yeah, there's no like guidelines on if this, then that. If that, yeah. No. Um, so I think it's very blurred at the moment what will happen with Everton because I don't know if the, if the Premier League themselves will take into mitigating that there's similar reasons why they've failed. So just to confirm with Everton, it's not on transfers or anything. It's specifically on the interest taken no. out on the loan. Well, with Everton as well, if you actually look at their transfer spend, which a lot of people like to relate to, their transfer spend over this last three-year period, I think um, it's only... Brighton is less in terms of net spend, okay. i.e. income and expenditure. You kind of have to separate the two, though, because obviously with the incoming signings, you can uh, amortise these transfer fees over the length of a player's contract. Yep. With the expenditure as well, we know that if you sell a homegrown player, which is a shit part of the rule, that you can put 100% of the profit straight onto your accounts. You yep. can't if it's not. Um, the idea of encouraging the sale of homegrown players <laughs> is an absolute nonsense. That needs looking at immediately because we're in a situation now where the likes of Chelsea will make far more money selling a Conor Gallagher than uh, in terms of for their balance sheets and if they sold a, an equivalent player that's an overseas player, yep. for example, even if they're sold for the same amount of money, which is why someone like Conor Gallagher is constantly getting links with a potential move away from Chelsea, even though the player doesn't want to go and, and the manager doesn't want him to go and the club don't particularly want him to go. It'd yeah. be the quickest way Financially, for them. Financially, it to, makes the most sense for them, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. If you take the Brennan Johnson Forest example, which we'll come back to, obviously that would come under homegrown, so yep. it's 100% on their balance sheet. Um, so, with Everton, it's it's not so much the transfer fees over this period, it's, an, it's wages. Sure. It's expenditure to wages. And one of the relations to UEFA's FFP... Um, which the Premier League guidelines are coming in towards. And this may change in the summer, which is part of the argument that's also pissing off Everton and Forest fans at the moment. We think this PSR report in terms of loss is going to change so it's more relatable to uh, expenditure versus your wage salary, basically. So Forest, for example, in the Championship were running at roughly 200% wages to their income. Which is madness. Yeah, that's okay. not sustainable and anyway. To be honest, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been the only club in the championship in that situation. Pretty much near enough all of the clubs in the championship will be running at over 100%. Okay. Which, you can guess what that means. Every single club is making loss. Yep. And most football clubs are making losses. I keep getting reminded that um, most football clubs are such big business, it doesn't matter if they're making losses. <laughs> I can't quite get my head around that no, personally, no but there you go. Um, so Everton's problem is more salaries, where where they've spent badly in the past, they've had players on big salaries. And yes, the stadium, although not outright reflecting to the PSR, the interest on the loans is what's costing them. Um, in terms of Forest, again, we don't know what the, what how much over they are, 
but they've tried to use the Brennan Johnson sale to Tottenham as a mitigating circumstance. So Forrest sold Johnson um, on deadline day in August. The PSR period runs like a financial year, but runs from July the 1st to June the 30th. That in itself is questionable because the transfer window is still open. The reason it's July till June 30th, essentially that's when nearly all football contracts end is on June the 30th. When a player's out of contract, his contract officially runs yep. out on June the 30th. Unless it's a short-term August to December job, it will nearly always be June the 30th. So that's why that's the cut-off currently. Forrest claimed that they could have sold Johnson in June. The transfer window would have been open because I think it opens about June the 14th. And therefore, if they'd sold him over that period, they could have put the profit on their accounts and they would have passed off against the maximum losses, yep. which for them is 61 million on the PSR report. But they never sold him to August. Now, their argument is that they could have sold him to Brentford for around about 30 million. What they eventually got was 47.5 million from Tottenham. Yeah. So in the best interest of the football club to be sustainable, were they better off hitting their accounts or getting the football club an extra 17.5 million? Longer term, the 17 and a half. And for the short term... And, and, like I, and, I, and I get that argument. The, the reason I, f- I think that this won't go so well for Forrest in terms of that specific appeal is exactly a year earlier, Everton pushed through the sale of Richarlison to Tottenham in June to make sure it went on that year's accounts for 21-22. I feel like with transfers, though, there's so many different circumstances like and we don't know in terms of buyer's market yeah. what the demand was for that player and this and that so Everton's mitigating was that they would have got more for Richarlison if they'd waited later in the window okay. now I would suggest that Everton got a good fee for Richarlison despite his recent goals I still feel is very much the case at £60 million and I think Forrest ended up with a good deal for Brennan Johnson as well actually um, but when Everton tried to push that through as a mitigating for Richarlison the panel wouldn't have it um, okay. And I think also they probably won't in Brennan Johnson's. The fact that it went to deadline day as well. Yeah. What happened if it failed the medical? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I think. How I, much of a chance are you taking? I see it both sides with Forrest because on one hand, I do empathize with them and I get where they were coming from. But on the other, like, and I know, like, we spoke about this this morning, like, when they came up from the championship, they only had. I they didn't have it, a team. They had to, they, honestly, yeah. they had to get sort of at least 15 players or so through the door. But they've not gone and bought 15. They've gone and bought 42, I think it is, so since they were like, promoted. I kind of see it both sides. Like, I think it is harsh, and I know we'll talk on this later. Like, is it designed to protect the kind of greedy six and promoted clubs coming up? But they, they have it tough because of the resources they've got available. But with this specific example, I can see it both sides. I'm not really sure where I land, to be honest. What about you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I think both football clubs have acted recklessly, I would say. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily even say in bad faith or they've tried to game the system. I just think they've been reckless. I think particularly most Everton fans would acknowledge that the way their football club has been run over the Mashiri period has been farcical. Yeah. Um, in terms of the signings they've made, some of the wages they were dishing out. I mean, in, in the final year 
I think it would have been, what was the COVID season? Is that 2021, isn't it? Yeah. So they knew then that they were potentially beginning to push the boundaries on this and they were dishing out large contracts to the likes of James Rodriguez. The reports are that Everton budgeted that season to finish sixth. Wow. Which when there is a so-called greedy six, etc., how you can quite budget to finish above any That's of them at the moment ambitious, is yeah. quite ambitious. So they were never likely to hit what their target was. Finishing sixth in the league is almost certainly going to guarantee European football. Yeah. And so quite how you, and, yeah. you budget for that. That's extra gate receipt income, extra TV money, prize money, all that. Yeah. So Everton would have been way off a target that wasn't realistic, I think, at that stage. The previous season, they'd finished 10th, I think. Okay. Can't remember. So it wasn't realistic. And they handed out some big contracts in that season. That's part why the problem they've faced. So I think Everton were reckless. And I think Nottingham Forest have also been reckless in terms of the sheer volume. There is no doubt. You only have to look at Forest team that beat Huddersfield in the playoff final. I know that I think there was only five players that were there that remained at the club, for example, because there were some out of contract, some on loan. Um, they had to do business, no doubt. But did they have to over the course of this period since bought five right backs, three left backs? No. Did they so over the top? And that's where I kind of, when I talk about seeing it from both sides, because I do think it's, like you just said, very over the top. But <laughs> So in, not this summer gone, but the one before, they bought uh, Aurea, Nico Williams and Bianconi could also play there. Sure. As like new right backs. Now admittedly, they had Jed Spence the season before, yeah. right? Another Tottenham link who'd obviously played really well for them as part of the promotion team. But did they need to get that many players for that position? Oh. And then they went and bought Ola Aina. <laughs> and it, to be honest, it's not so much the transfer fees because again, you know, they've got people in like Jesse Lingard who there's no transfer fee, right? But the salary, and then to go back to your income versus your expenditure on wages, that's a problem. And for those, to go back to your point about uh, it's really difficult for clubs to come up now and they won't be able to spend a lot. And there'll be people saying, look at Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United haven't done a lot this year and they're still in the bottom three. Certainly in Luton and Sheffield United's case, Sheffield United were nearly in an administration last year, so not in a position to do it unless there was a takeover went through, which didn't happen. Luton obviously want to plan for their future with new stadium, etc. Not in a position to do it. Burnley's ownership changed quite recently and probably were the one of the three but it's still with respect to a relatively small football club, right? Yeah. The fact that they're in the Premier League really is, is an achievement for the size of the football club. So those three came up. I suspect when you see Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, if, say, that's the three next year, or maybe not so much Ipswich, but those three would have gone down with their parachute payments, yeah. which is another hot debate that we could come back to for another day. If they come up, they probably will be able to spend better. And more the point is, it's not impossible to come up and be sustainable um, and not go mad. There are two brilliant examples in the league currently in Brentford, another really very small football club um, with a small stadium who have not gone beyond their means in terms of their expenditure and are not immune to spending big on a player. They themselves tried to buy Brennan Johnson, right? That's yeah. where the, the supposed bid came from that, that Nottingham Forest say was there. And I think that was common knowledge that Brentford did bid for him, in fairness. So they, they're acting fine, despite their revenue stream. I mean, Brentford are nowhere near the size of Forest, never mind Everton, for example. Yeah. And Fair Brighton point. is the model that everybody wants to copy. I think that's the key word, though. Everyone wants to. I think being able to successfully implement what those two have done is incredibly difficult. Of course it is. Of course it is. But Brighton have done it. Yeah. Brighton have done it slow and steady. I think this is where FFP was part designed for, was 
um, it will lead into the conversation here about is it to protect the greedy six. But I think it was also there to reward those who would do it sustainably like Brighton have. I agree with that. But I think those two are the anomaly, not the norm. I also agree with that. So that's why it's it's tricky. <laughs> One of the arguments always um, is, I think Newcastle's a good case at the moment because Newcastle, it's rumoured at the moment, um, are potentially sailing close to the wind on PSR themselves. And we do know Newcastle's financial results for the 22-23 season. It's one of the few that we know at this stage. Newcastle posted a loss of 72 million. Yep. Now, if you think over a three-year period you're allowed 105, that tells you that their losses either side or the two years afterwards can only total a maximum of 33 million. Yep. Now, on Newcastle's financial results this year, they're going to have the benefit of some Champions League revenue which they wouldn't have had the previous year. Yeah, so their income for the year, just on the basis of being a Champions League group stage and what that additionally gets you, TV, sponsorship, yeah. all that Extra jazz, gate receipts, should shoot. Yep. Right? But there's been rumours that you know to progress and still spend, they would They've maybe have sell. to cut someone like Bruno Gimmerich as a, as a star asset, for example. Um, and one of the arguments, of course, is, well, why can't Newcastle just do what Chelsea and City did and buy their way to Wards? success right with Chelsea and City obviously the big expenditures came into play before FFP originally yeah came into force in the Premier League which was in 2013 and one of the reasons it really came into play in 2013 was because of what happened with Portsmouth Portsmouth very nearly went to the wall right they're the only Premier League team that ever went into administration they went all the way down the leagues and are still how are we 14 years on knocking about, admittedly, towards the top of League One? Yep. All right. Long, long way back. Portsmouth Football Club spent way beyond its means of capability and suffered badly for it and had some success in the meantime, right? I don't yeah. suppose Portsmouth fans would take away their 2008 FA Cup, FA Cup or their, their route to the final in 2010 either. They had European football, they had AC Milan at Fratton Park. I don't suppose you'd take any of that away from them. But they spent beyond what their means were eventually. And this was also off the back of people will remember what happened to Leeds in the noughties, who gambled on essentially becoming part of a new big four, if you will, and regular Champions League football. And as soon as they didn't hit it, it was a fire sale. everyone, yeah. Fire sale, which eventually led to themselves hitting administration in the championship. And I think Leeds went into administration. They certainly had points deductions anyway. They went all the way down. I mean, Leeds in League One is laughable prospect for the size of that football club. So off the back of Leeds and then Portsmouth, sustainability was brought in part to protect. Now, most clubs don't need to be protected, but clearly there's examples of two that did. Many of you will have seen what happened at Reading at the weekend. Pitch invasion where the fans there have got a football match postponed because they're so are such a low ebb yeah. with the way that football club's being run. And it's a, a serious threat of its future that whether they get a points deduction or given a 3-0 defeat for a game against Port Vale is almost irrelevant yeah, yeah. on the future of the football right club. Now, yeah. So we can look at the top end. We must remember all those that, that suffer in other areas as well. Though. Um, the argument to Newcastle being restricted uh, I get it because the owners have got a bottomless pit and there's clearly no... You could look at it and say, well, they're not going to be in financial trouble. I think they'll be okay. And they could spend whatever they wanted. There's no doubt about that. But do you treat clubs differently? Do you no. look at Newcastle differently? Because you go, well, 
they could be all right. I mean, Marinakis at Forest is is a rich guy, right? Yeah. But not to the extent that you'd start blowing around 300 million transfer fees. Right, exactly. And he he clearly is. I think Forest fans would mainly agree with this. Clearly, is a bit of a gambler. Yeah. In terms of his outlay, and he only wants the best for Nottingham Forest. That's part why he's spent. But you could even relate it to back to Luton, Burnley, and and Sheffield United, and say, is it right that Forest are spending this, and these teams have acted within and said, no, we won't. No, and that's the thing. Like the rules are there for everyone, right? You like to a question you just asked about 30 seconds ago. No, you can't have one rule for one club and not the others. And again, that probably, if it was to go down that route, I think there'd be even more of an argument to say, oh, it is designed to protect the greedy six. So I think Newcastle are just, I mean, I don't empathise with them, but I think they've just been unlucky in the period that they've been taken over happens to be when restrictions have come in and, yeah, the Premier League are looking at sustainability. They've probably not helped themselves by the fact they've jumped so quick. Yeah, <laughs> because I think True. no, no. Well, because they're finishing the Champions League place, that, yeah, and like I said, that will help them financially this year. But probably if Newcastle had done it slowly and had a, a Euro Conference League football, a Euro Europa League, it's football, a gradual build to that point. It's, it's yeah. almost in a way it's easier because you hit Champions League and you think, well, we've got to act like a Champions League club, exactly. And the chances are Newcastle probably aren't going to get in the Champions League for next season as it's that. It's not beyond them because I think they've you know they've already played City twice, they've already played Liverpool twice. They're about to get Villa out away twice as well which is three of the top four, right? Yeah. So could they put a run together? It's not impossible, but it's looking unlikely at, at this stage. Um, but you start budgeting towards thinking, well, we're here now. Do we budget as a Champions League club? And I think that would have been challenging for Newcastle. Um, Newcastle, I've got so many assets that I don't think it would be a, a problem. I think part of Everton's problem specifically had been they didn't have a lot of assets to sell. Yeah. But reality is, if they felt that they were that close to it, should they have sold an Amadou Anana or a Jordan Pickford that would have comfortably got them out of the way? Now, the argument would be, well, they did sell Richarlison. Yeah, but maybe, and Calvert-Lewin would have been another one because of his injuries, they couldn't. If they'd have sold another one, the reality is they'd have been all right. Do you think if the, because a lot of the conversations we're having at the moment are around that this club should have sold this asset or this club should sell this asset. Do you think the 105 million threshold of losses allowed over the three-year period is enough? Or do you think it should be more? Because um, for me, that's nothing in the context of a yeah, gigantic w- football One club. of... One of the arguments being put forward at the moment is that 105, as you say, is perhaps not enough. And that being the, the inflation, right? If you look at 105 million as a loss over a three-year period, well, how much did you pay for Declan Rice? 105 mil. Right, so that's it. Over a five-year contract, that's 21 mil a year. That's it. Books, now, yeah. the reality is you can amortise the 105 million over five years so that on each individual year, it's probably only 21 million. That's key points for a member. Yeah. Okay? But you do five of them... <laughs> well, then you're yeah. there, yeah. right? So even there, you go. There's an example with Arsenal, and they are yeah. a little bit under We're restriction. We're walking the, the tightrope at the minute. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think one of the arguments is: should the number be higher because inflation has been so much, and the you know the spiraling costs of football, wages, um, expenditure on transfer fees, etc. But yeah, at the same time, so's income, right? Do you know what it is? My very In- income's going up for everyone at the same time as well. So. Yeah, that and also my very simplistic view of football is if you want to uh, improve your team, and I know you've cited very brilliant examples in Brighton and Brentford, but like I said, I believe they're the anomaly, not the, more, not the norm. If you want to improve your team and get to a, a higher level, I think the way to do that is you spend money, unfortunately. And I think you build uh, 
a player base of assets that are valuable that you can then sell on and stuff. And that's what I don't believe the 105 million threshold is enough. Let's take your team for an example for a moment then. We remove Rice. Who's, yeah. who's the most expensive player on that team? In terms of who we've paid for yeah. or as an asset, what they're worth? No, what you've paid for them. I think Jesus maybe, 45, 45 mil. 45 for Jesus. Uh, it's not a huge amount, mate. for 50 maybe. I can't remember. Not it's huge amounts. Two. No, but we're also not at the level where we want to be yet. And to get to a city's level, a Liverpool's sustainable level... I'm not talking in the context of that top greedy six at the minute. You do have to spend, like, Arsenal right now to probably jump to that level. Everyone, what's everyone talking about what we need? A world-class centre-forward. That's not going to be happening for 30 mil, is it? And that's the thing in the context of, like, if a team um, that's just been promoted wants to sustainably stay up, I think they probably do need to go and buy, like, a top-class player in uh, a certain position. How much? Uh, Martinelli, right? Yeah. He's not been at Arsenal since he was eight, I'm guessing. No. Right, how much did he cost? Six mil. <laughs> Right, so like the play, you know, to use the Brighton reference, I'm sorry, but how much did they pay for Casado? How much did they pay for McAllister? Yeah, but then again, it's context on where clubs are and where they want to get to. I don't think. Yeah, but you I'm can saying rely- Martinelli is a similar example, isn't it? It is, but again, you can't build a team of Martinelli's. Brighton have. <laughs> so, okay, to compete for the Champions League and Premier Leagues. I, I mean, Brighton weren't far off last year. Oh, no. I'd, that as a one-off, sure. But they wouldn't be able to... Like, I love Brighton, respect them so much. But to sustainably... If they want to be a sustainable Champions League team... But we've also just sold Casado for 115, McAllister for another 40 or so, which I think most of us would say was cheap. They put another 150 yeah. there, which means that they could do things like go and buy Jao Pedro, which that football club would not have been capable of doing two years ago. But because yeah. of this now, they've gone, well, okay, so our next step is, rather than going, all oh, right, so we've got 150 million, let's go and spend 80 million on Nicolas Pepe. They've gone, right, now we can jump up to, rather than spending 10, 15, we can buy this one player for 30 million or so to complement what else we've got. But do you think that approach puts a ceiling on what teams have aspirations of being able to achieve then? So let's just say an Aston Villa right now want to I, go and I, become I, Premier I will, League. Tired. I will absolutely refer back to what I said in the summer that I think if Brighton hadn't qualified for Europe at all, I would have tipped them to finish top four this year. I would agree with that. But again, like that's one team that I could see yeah, doing Yeah, but it. then so why should Brighton be punished for yeah. acting in a certain way Fair. versus others signing 42 players? It does go both ways. You know, you're right. It, you are right. I think it's just more, I doubt the sustainability of the team being able to achieve that. And I think ultimately how we feel about this is in terms of should PSR or FFP be there, is ultimately influenced quite a lot by the teams that we support, right? Yeah. So Everton and Forest fans right now are raging. Completely understandable. If you're a Brighton fan, you're going, my team's acting properly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Why, why, should, why should you be different to others? And I think for us, to clarify for anyone who doesn't know us, I'm obviously a Tottenham fan. Clayton's an Arsenal fan. We support two teams who are part of the so-called Greedy Six, who we know tried to walk away and form our own fucking league a couple of years ago. Yep. Which, by the way, we can never try and do again. And that's part why there was never any major punishment because they had to write basically in their own blood that they'd never try and do it yeah. again. And listen, if our clubs had been massively punished for that, neither of us could have complained in any way no. whatsoever. Um, do you think PSR is weighted to protect... I don't suppose people aren't thinking of Tottenham Arsenal at the top of a tree or that. They are thinking more sort of Man City, Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. 
Do you think it is there, though, to protect what some people are calling the cartel these days so of the greedy six? I don't think it was designed with that intention in mind, but I do think with the way the rules are, it benefits those 100% because of the assets available at those squads and clubs already. It just naturally, it's like a hierarchy, unfortunately, right? You're making it more difficult to get in. That's or the, breach. That's it. basically what I was trying to say. Whereas, in better words, whereas yeah. with City, as the example again, this was before all these rules were in place. You knew that once they hit the money, it was an inevitable, inevitable climb. It doesn't feel inevitable for Newcastle right now. No, I think they'll get there. So do I. But I think it's going it, to. We always thought it was going to be a slower process. I think what's happened with them though, as well, is like I said, because they finished fourth last year, and there was no expectation to do that. Everyone well, were there already. But again, the only reason I believe Newcastle will get there is, okay, partially is they have got a very... I, I really respect the way they've gone about it strategically behind the scenes. I actually think they've got really good... Yeah, a really good strategy in place and what they're trying to do. The fl- the second part of that, though, is they've got an unlimited pot of money, which I think, granted with these restrictions, they'll have to be smart with. They're the only team I look at that I think can sustainably break into that greedy six at Don't the minute. I think Villa can. Not sustainably, personally. Their owners have got enough as well, mate. It's not Newcastle levels, but they ain't, they yeah. ain't short, mate. Yeah, true. No, no, actually, I forgot about that. Look at West Ham with... I don't think West Ham can. You could, you could argue stadium, whatever about it, and the rent they pay, etc. But, they, you know, in terms of the potential for income there, because of the stadium, it, it is there. Whether eventually they might be able to do their own thing with it, they can't at the moment. They, they might be able to in the long term. Just by being a, a football club based in London who can regularly get 60,000 in the ground, apart for its location. Mm-hmm. So do you? That means that, that, that in terms of a sustainability, could they? Yeah. I've long said that about West Ham. But back to the original question you asked, do you think it's designed to protect the Greedy Six, the PSR? Partially, yes. Yeah, Why? partially, yes. I think my, my club falls into an, an interesting um, bracket in the sense that I think United were always going to be a part of it, Liverpool, history, all that. You managed to stay there for really, in terms of big four originally, managed to stay in the Champions League all those years under Wenger, despite trying to pay off for the stadium. Yep. And the stadium would eventually help Arsenal naturally. Chelsea financials well documented. City got in there similar reasons. With my club, we never did it through. I mean, we did it almost. Not, I was going to say like Brighton model. It wasn't a Brighton model because we still spent, but we never spent on anything like what the rest of the greedy six were. Yeah. If you looked at our say our salaries going back ten years ago, it was more comparable with the teams that were just outside the top six rather than the rest of the top six. Yeah. So for us, it felt like it was more of a progression. With your club, you didn't really spend massively till probably Wenger went. Yep. Uh, so what we're looking at sort of 2017-ish Which onwards. coincided with the debts of the stadium being repaid, yeah. Exactly that. And now he's completely self-sustainable. Um, Tottenham is generating as such quickly that it's also going to be self-sufficient. All Tottenham's... Tottenham have got huge debt, but it's all stadium debt and interestingly as well to relate back to stadiums the refinancing loan package on Tottenham's for stadium like the interest they're playing in comparison to what Everton's is laughable okay um so Tottenham are paying fractional in terms of interest they got a great deal Everton did not um 
And in fact, in say with Tottenham now, I said this to you before we started recording, you know, Tottenham are basically the only team I think that's bought a player this transfer window. Yeah, halfway through in the window. In Radu Dragashin, anything else I think he has loans. I can't think of another. I can't think of anything. I haven't looked. Probably missed one. But, but certainly the transfer window is very, very quiet at the moment. And I'd said to you, one of the reasons Tottenham could, what did Tottenham do last summer? They sold yeah. a homegrown footballer for £100 million that goes straight on your, your PSR, all of it. When you're done with your Tottenham stuff, can I go on a tangent? Because I've got a question that yeah. I want to ask you. What if I say no? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just more... That's exactly it, the homegrown thing. And we talked about Conor Gallagher. Like One of the things I don't get, it, it almost feels like you're encouraging clubs... It's absurd. ...to develop these talents. And sell and them. Then sell it. And so again, like, I, I always come back to promoted clubs. And other than the... I don't, I don't want to say big clubs, but like the Leicesters, the Leeds, like you mentioned... If a team who is not blessed with resources gets promoted, I think the only way a promoted club can actually bat against these right now is kind of proactively invest in their academy, develop these homegrown talents, cash them in, and then re redistribute. That's funds. interesting, that, because Brentford's model... Yeah, but I, don't, I just don't agree with They didn't even it. have an academy. Yeah, fair. Again, but there's one club, like... Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the only ways to do things. There are no, different ways to I do know. things. But it's just, to me, it's just absolutely mad that like, oh, we, we might fall short of hitting our uh, PSR quote or whatever. Like, let's just sell one of our homegrown talents. Like, I, uh, and I know you should be planning better and selling other assets, but fundamentally, that's it. Because like you said, you can put it down as 100% pure profit, right? Rather than against the transfer fee paid. Yeah. I mean, the idea currently that in terms of sta- trying to be sustainable it is encouraged that you sell the homegrown players, which for many is obviously the players that matter most in your heart as a fan, is absurd. Yeah. That that needs amending as soon as possible because um, that's ridiculous that we encourage the selling of academy players. That's, that's wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly part of what Chelsea, are, are, in terms of their model at the moment, it sold Mason Mount last summer. Gallagher keeps getting linked because if they need to, Tomori in terms of ago, yeah. why Chelsea, why Chelsea not being punished yet is one of the regular questions people ask. So what you have to remember is the accounts just submitted the end of that three-year cycle is 22-23. Todd Bolly and his group took over Chelsea in 2022, right? So essentially, you've only got one year of Chelsea results under this regime. Yep. Now, if Chelsea keep acting the way they have been doing for the next two years, <laughs> yeah, yeah shit the book will be getting fan. thrown at them. We've said all along that what they could do was currently well within their means, basically, as long as that eventually they got back in European football yeah. or stopped. And it should be remembered as well that Chelsea actually last year sold £200 million worth of players. Yep. That includes Mason Mount. Yeah, but the Mason Mount, again, is pure profit. Yeah. Kai Havertz, not. Yeah. But still, you're, you're obviously raking in the income off that. So they did sell a lot of players as well. Now, that's offset by spending about three times on that on expenditure. So there'll still be an outlay of like 400 million there or so. So they've got to either recoup it or they've got to massively increase their income, which the quickest way to do that is via getting back in the Champions League, which they also don't look like they're going to do this season at least. So they're teetering on the edge. On Man City, again, it's 115 charges. It's over a really long period of time. It will come for them. Yeah, yeah. 
it'll, it'll come for them. I've been saying this consistently. That you're never going to get a quick fix on this. No, no. There's too many charges labelled at them. And also Manchester City completely denied the charges against them, right? I think that's a key Whereas difference. there is, I don't want to say acceptance from Everton Forest, but they've agreed that on the Premier League's waiting on it that they have, that's the even if they think there's mitigating difference. against yeah. it. Man City have denied it. Everton and Nottingham Forest, like you said. They're, in the Manchester City case, there are 40,000 documents that need looking at. It's yeah. monstrous. Um, and what will happen to them, I don't know. I, I, I think there's been a, a little bit of perhaps false reporting that this idea that it's because it's going to change to turnover versus wages that City will get off. As far as I'm concerned, City are still being judged over a period where the ruling is different. Yeah. And will be judged off of that, you would hope anyway. And look, City might get found not guilty. If they're found guilty, yeah, <laughs> we God can, all, we can all speculate and it'll, it'll, it'll come. So, in terms of the protecting of the greedy six, I, I agree to an extent, yes. Because ultimately, the, the greedy six can spend more yep. because they make more. Yep. Simple as that. So they are the privilege to have been in the position at the time. And that does include my team because I think from 2006 to, to 2013, I think it was only one year we didn't finish in the top five. So in terms of the income, and even though at the time it was mainly Europa League or UEFA Cup at the time, that income was going to be there and generated more than others. Again, by being a London club was helpful as well. So we were in a privileged position of being in that position at the point of the cutoff that made it more difficult for everyone else to get in. Um, didn't make it easy for us to get in the Champions League for four years running as we did in the late 2010s, though, for example. We still breached that ceiling. So, yes, I do think it's there to protect because they can spend versus their income. But let's see what happens to Chelsea and City over the next couple of years before I think you could completely define that. Because if they both end up with the book thrown at them as well then there is no protection for them either, right? Yeah. And in if in Chelsea's case, I think City's is a bit more murky, but in Chelsea's case, if they do ultimately get done in the next couple of years, it will be because they've, in in my opinion, acted similarly to Everton and Nottingham Forest, and that's recklessly. Well, they, they've, they've acted gambled, recklessly. Right? I think their strategy is clear to see. They've front-loaded in this year one of the three-year cycle. They've gambled on getting a valuable asset base of playing staff. They've gambled on potentially getting into Europe, which, like you said, doesn't look likely. So if they don't, if the, it's a combination of if they don't get into Europe, and even the, the player valuation... I think for Chelsea, of, it's got to be the Champions League, by the way. Yeah, but even like the player valuation of the, the players they've gone and got, got in in this period, are they going to recoup the, the... Well, they'll eventually have to start selling, won't they? But I don't think they'll get the valuations close to what they've You've got to remember this, right? Let's let's take an example. Let's just say they did sell Conor Gallagher this month, right? For 50 million. Say 50 million. 50 million goes straight in. It's murky, right? 50 million (laughs) goes straight in because he's a homegrown player, goes straight in as pure profit. If Chelsea then spend 50 million on a replacement and they spread the cost over the five-year contract, they're 40 million in profit. Yeah. But... If Whether that's right or wrong is up for debate, I know. but that's what's going on. I think it's more like, okay, after Conor Gallagher, like, then let's just say they need to sell their kind of assets that have come from abroad. I don't think they'll recoup anywhere near the amount, given how their stocks are right now. 
Uh, I'm sure you'll have no sympathy for them, and I won't particularly, <laughs> to be honest yeah. as well. Um, and I don't think most will, if that's what's the case for, for Chelsea. Let's, let's see. I would close by saying, I, I think, personally, that Forrest and Everton's um, recklessness is through expenditure, and I don't think necessarily that the deduction should be in points. What, I think it, it should have been fine? what? No, I, I don't even. What's the point in. You're already failing it. What's the point <laughs> yeah. of fine going to do? <coughs> I think it's shut off the transfer window. If you guys are acting recklessly in a transfer window, shut it so off for you. Just, um, yeah, have a transfer ban. That used to be a thing. I think the problem with that is then, though, you could, you, you could, you could be like a Chelsea. Chelsea would look at that as a loophole and go, let's spend 500 million now and okay, next year we can't spend nothing. <laughs> uh, that would probably be their take. And that's why, unfortunately, these punishments such as points deductions, because that's what it hits most. The problem is the points deductions hit the fans. Yeah. It's not necessarily fair on the fans. Yeah. But it also, I think will lead to these clubs being more accountable to their football supporters. Because I think this will raise awareness, you know, rather than all the time being, oh, spend some bloody money. People might start thinking, well, do we, do we want to do that? We've already Save spent under a million this money. window. Or, and I think, you know, the implementation, which will get enforced, hopefully, of, of fan groups having a, a voice within board meetings of football clubs, to actually go in and check and say, are you right spending this money? And, what what is the budget for this summer, etc.? Are you going to stick to it? So, I think Forrest and Everton have acted recklessly, but not necessarily in bad faith. I think if Everton were to get another points deduction on top of what they get, I, I do personally think that's grossly unfair. Yeah, agree. Um, but they might both end up with just fines or something. We don't know. It will go to a different independent panel to what Everton have had. This conversation will rumble and rumble and comfortably could be another couple of hours we'll come back to it I'm fairly certain anything we've definitely missed off Clates? not definite but one thing that did spark to mind uh, in terms of your question is it designed to protect the greedy six so you know the 105 million losses that you're allowed as a maximum yeah 90 million of that can be uh, covered by owners buying shares and securing funding, right? Yes. So that is a point that I think we probably didn't yeah. cover that. So what's interesting about that is it means that the majority of these clubs in this country can make a bigger loss than Manchester United. Because what that essentially means, the 90 million of the 105 million can basically be topped up by your owners. Yeah. Now the Glazers ain't putting fuck all into Manchester United, mate. So the losses they can only afford is 15 million. Mm. And that's why, unbelievably... Manchester United are a little bit under restriction themselves at the moment. As always, we said, is your club. Yep. Villa are being careful at the moment, despite selling Jack Grealish for 100 million. Again, pure profit. Only, what's that, three years or so? I think that's because that's coming to the end of the cycle. For the next one, Villa need to be careful. Newcastle, we've spoken about. Tottenham, I mean, Tottenham fans will always label at Daniel Levy and Enik. You don't spend enough money, you don't back the manager. For me, I think they're acting in a sustainable way. Yep. is my personal opinion. I agree. Um, so, look, there's even some clubs near the top there that are a little bit under restriction. Yeah. No one... I think it scared people as well. Like, oh, this is serious now. Like, we can't... Oh, we're, we're only five million over. Like, yeah. uh, what's happened with Everton and might happen next with Everton Forest has scared a lot of clubs. Um, and there is a greater, longer-term impact potentially on the Premier League's ability to buy the best players in the world. Yeah. Um, who, who could buy Mbappe right now? No. If a Premier League club wanted to, what a gamble. Chelsea over a 15-year contract. 
Uh, it will get discussed again in the future. Thank you, mate. I enjoyed that. Yeah, um, so you'll be back with me for Sky Fantasy Football Podcast tomorrow. I can promise you he did remember the deadline in that. Uh, just leaves me to say, thank you very much, everyone. Be nice to each other, as always. And cue music, please, man child. Sports Social Podcast Network.